Today's episode is brought to you by Whoop. Whoop is a fitness tracker that provides daily insight into your recovery, your strain, and your sleep. You might have seen it on the wrist of Rory as he won the Tour Championship or other Tour players. I had to find out more, so I reached out, got my own band, talked to some of the folks at Whoop, and I was blown away. And then, lucky enough, they wanted to support and sponsor the podcast and let more folks know about it as well. Here are the three things you need to know. There's three metrics, strain, recovery, and sleep. Strain is for those that are looking to track more than just steps. Track how strenuous your day is from start to finish. And this is key, get insight into how much you exert yourself during training. The second one is recovery. That is so you can get daily insight into how ready your body is to perform by looking at some biometrics such as heart rate variability, resting heart rate, and sleep performance. The last one is sleep. It's all about optimizing the way that you sleep by getting target sleep times based on how strenuous your day was and your performance goals. You can monitor your sleep stages, cycles, time in bed, actual sleep, sleep efficiency, and so much more. And, you know, the best players in the world are paying attention to this, as we found out from the Whoop CEO, Will Ahmed. You know, Justin Thomas was telling me how obsessed he is with sleep. This is a guy who will just get up in the middle of dinner to go to bed if he feels like he's not going to bed at the appropriate time because he knows that he has to get a certain number of hours of sleep in order to feel that recovered, in order to feel, you know, peak on the day of the tournament or, you know, even on the weekends, right? Uh, He was saying that he actually had a green recovery on the Sunday of leading the BMW tournament. I think that's pretty cool, right? You know, normally when you're leading the tournament, you're going to feel an additional level of stress. In his case, it was the opposite because he's figured out ways to to train his body and, and to use Whoop. Definitely check this out and learn more about Whoop. It's W-H-O-O-P dot com. Use the code G-S-L for 15% off your membership. That is G-S-L. Definitely go check out Whoop dot com. You are listening to the Golf Science Lab podcast. My name is Cordy Walker, and I'm on a mission to figure out how to improve the way that we learn and get better at golf. I've been able to travel all over the world talking with leaders in the industry, from instructors to researchers to golfers themselves, learning how they're getting better at golf and what that means for you. Do you ever get frustrated with your practice that what you're doing, all this work that you're putting in to get better, whether that's, you know, you're going through a swing change or whatnot, just doesn't seem to make an impact when you get under the gun, when you're out on the golf course, and you want to perform at your best. Hey, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. And we start with that question because that's what we're going to be talking about over the next three days, actually. We're going to just run a fun little series here talking about practice. It's one of my favorite topics. It's something that I talk about the most with folks, it seems like, digging around in the research and trying to find the best info to bring you all. And, you know, it's one of those topics that we can never exhaust because if you're in golf, you're trying to learn, you're trying to practice, you're trying to grow. We're all trying to get better so we can lower our handicap or shoot our lowest score, right? It's this constant mission that you never really can end, right? And so today and and tomorrow, we're joined by an awesome guest, Ian Highfield. He's a fantastic coach, Golf Digest, top young coach, and one of those guys who's out there digging around in the research on practice and performance, then going out there and implementing it and just really trying a lot of stuff and working on growing as as a coach so he can help us all 
you know, with our practice and performance. And so today and tomorrow we're talking with him. Today with him, we're tackling that specific kind of conversation around, you know, why isn't this swing change I'm working on hold up when I get out on the golf course? Why does it kind of disappear? Because honestly, it's a conversation I have all the time with people, whether it's friends, you know, we're out playing and they're frustrated with their golf swing, can't figure it out on the golf course, they go out on the range and they hit it perfectly, whatever it might be. It's, you know, it, it's happening everywhere at clubs all across, all across the world. So it's a conversation worth having. That's what you're going to hear today. And then tomorrow, you're going to talk a little bit about like, why do you not perform your best under pressure? which is, I think we all can relate to that as well. It's something of, you know, hey, I've got a tournament coming up or I want to play well this week. And why do we never seem to be able to play well when it matters? So stay tuned tomorrow. And then Thursday is going to be our our last day talking about practice. Make sure to stay tuned for that. Also on Thursday, we have a, a bit of a launch happening here at Golf Science Lab, something that's been in production for a while now and is getting released to those in the know this Thursday. So keep your eyes peeled for that. It is uh, by coincidence on this topic of practice and learning. It's something that I'm very excited about. We've been working really hard on it around here. And if you want to get a, uh, a sneak peek of what that is all about and uh, get an update on that, it's golfsciencelab.com slash practice secrets. So you can head over and check that out. All right, let's get into this one of three days here. We're talking about practice day one with Ian Highfield. Let's get into it. So the first question we're going to start with, Ian, is why a technique change doesn't stick. And I think we hear this all the time of somebody talking about, I practice, I practice, I practice. And then I got on the 18th hole and I duct hooked the blank out of it right into the, right into the woods. I won't ask you what blank stands for. <laughs> um, okay. So we're just going to dispel a myth you know, just blow it straight up. The golf world believe that repetition leads to muscle memory. And they also believe that the secret is in the dirt. You know, the old classic saying from maybe the Ben Hogan era, the harder you work, the more chance you've got of changing your motor pattern. We saw Alex Noren's hands, maybe I think it was last season, all blistered up. We've recently seen a sensational young player on Instagram with a huge blister on his hand and everyone's saying how awesome this was because he's hit a thousand balls in a day and his swing's going to have changed. And unfortunately, that's not in line with scientific evidence or research. First of all, muscle memory does not exist. (laughs) Your muscles don't have memory. And secondly, repetition is not the mother of all skills. As my great friend and and mentor would say, Stuart Morgan, he would say, you need repetition without repetition. So this belief that I'm going to rep a thousand balls and I'm going to create muscle memory, it's inaccurate. If you rep a thousand balls and try and create muscle memory, it's extremely hard, nigh on impossible to have the level of engagement that you need in each ball to change a motor pattern. So science has shown us that if you want to change a motor pattern, if you want to make a swing change stick, there's certain factors that you need in your practice. You need space between each rep. 
It's scientifically proven to induce deeper learning. You need variable conditions. That's scientifically proven to induce deeper learning. And you need the optimal challenge point. That's scientifically proven to induce deeper learning. Blocked practice, repetition of balls, building muscle memory is not scientifically accurate. So a common story, I'm trying to in flatten my swing on, you know, my downswing, or I'm trying to any number of things, right? Yeah. And we go on the range and we work on that. Maybe we throw a video camera behind us. You know, maybe we have some kind of launch monitor, depending what it is. An instructor, a friend telling us how it's looking. You know, we're hitting balls, hit hit some with our pitching wedge, hit some with our seven iron, hit some with the driver. And then we leave after like an hour. And then we come back the next day, you know, or a couple of days, maybe we do that again. And then we leave and then we come back and then we go play golf. And, you know, you look at a video from out on the golf course and it looks like, you know, nothing has changed, right? That's kind of a common story. Yeah. So tell us what's happening there. Like, why isn't that working? And then what should we be doing? So let, let's say the golfer starts and generally you can buy like 25 golf balls. Or you can buy 50 golf balls on the range. Or if it's a pro player, they throw down their really cool shag bag with Titus Pro V1s in, probably 100, right? So you start and you're like, if you're of that old school mindset, the secret's in the dirt, I want reps, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, change my muscle memory. If you're of that mindset, you'll hit ball one and you'll be very focused on, on the movement. Uh, you'll hit ball two and, you know, probably still quite focused. By the time you get to ball five or six, Generally, and this is generally speaking, you know, this is evidence-led practice. We, it doesn't apply specifically to everyone. We're looking at general trends. But very, very, very well-known motor learning experts and experts in the science of human performance have told me that when you get to around ball five, six, maybe seven, that there's processes that were happening on ball one that are not now happening on ball six or seven. So if you want to change your golf swing, you're looking at changing a motor pattern. To change a motor pattern, you need to fire off what's called synaptogenesis. And that ultimately goes in line with that saying, what you fire, you wire. So while synaptogenesis is taking place, the brain is engaged, there's cognitive stress, there's electricity flying around the brain and changing the neural pathways. That's probably happening on ball one, two, three, maybe a little less on four, maybe a little less on five, maybe very low on six. By the time you hit ball seven, that process has really stopped and all you're doing is stimulating blood flow. So ultimately, you're in kind of a very tame physical exercise right now. Yeah. So if you rep 1,000 balls in a row, by the time you get to seven, you're probably way less engaged than you were on, on number one. And look, there's exceptions to the rule. I'm pretty sure Tiger Woods is an exception to the rule. I'm pretty sure Serena Williams, how she practiced tennis, their motivations were so high. They're almost like superhuman. They did manage probably, a big assumption from me, to keep synaptogenesis going and keep the level of engagement high for longer. But no one's coaching Tiger or <laughs> Serena, realistically. That's, we gotta look at the norm. So. That's often why people fail to make swing changes. They're not creating 
the neurological changes in the brain that are desired because their practice environments aren't encouraging them. It's very easy for cognitive engagement to go out the window. And it's simply this idea that you get frustrated, you know, because you're not seeing the perfect results that you're wanting and you get frustrated and you just start going ape to figure it out. Right. (laughs) I've been there. Yeah, exactly. And this positive engagement quickly goes out the window because we were hoping to have a great practice session. We were hoping to get X, Y, and Z done. And now we're running through a list of swing tips to try to figure out what's screwed up. And we end up not in a positive, you know, practice environment, hitting on a lot of the, you know, the checklist of things that you like to see in a good practice environment. And it's, it's really easy to do. It's really easy to do that. And most of us do that, I would assume. It's very easy to do because it's almost, it's counterintuitive, right? If you think, hey, if I can make this movement a thousand times in a row, then surely I'm going to make that movement. But because the cognitive stress reduces, we don't actually learn. So when we're trying to change a golf swing, we're in what we would call a training to learn environment. And learning happens through cognitive stress. So we have to feel a certain level of engagement and a certain level of activity has to be happening in our brain for a swing change to stick. So we almost, in this instance, less is more. It comes back to what Stuart Morgan says. The key is repetition without repetition. So rather than go for 1,000 balls, hit five balls, and then go challenge yourself to hold a six-foot putt. Or go on Instagram and send a post about, hey, I just did this on these five balls, you know. By the time you then return, whether you've hit a putt, been on Instagram, just stood there for two minutes. By the time you return, you have to engage your memory. So that creates cognitive stress. You're now thinking back to previous reps. That creates engagement in the task. And then you can go for another five ball set and synaptogenesis, cognitive stress will still be present. Then go hold an eight foot putt or a four foot putt or go hit a wedge to a target or go on Instagram or do some breathing exercises or take a sip of water and go and do another five ball set. And then probably after five, five ball sets, go change the task, go work on something else or take a longer break. If you can take a longer break, again, the spacing effect is shown to consolidate learning. And this is relatively, I mean, it's not, I wouldn't say it's new and modern information, but it's relatively new in the golfing world. And this is what I always tell people, Cordy. I always ask people, I know that Ben Hogan repped a thousand balls, but time has evolved since then. And I ask golfers, would you use wooden shafted clubs like Ben Hogan? And they laughed and say, no, of course I wouldn't. Technology's evolved, but you're still going to use the same practice habits and the science of learning has evolved. So there's a big disconnect for me. So how I just explained how practice could be structured in five ball sets with varying of tasks, really can help swing changes stick. We gotta get away from these old traditional myths 
of, hey, the secret's in the dirt, let's create muscle memory. Yes. And maybe just to further the conversation on that secret in the dirt idea, like I've heard that from, you know, several pros about like, look, when they reflect back on their, their childhood or whatnot. However, I think that that phrase can be used to describe simply spending time. However, there, there are varying levels of quality of time that you can spend. And I think if you dive deeper into, you know, the why behind that secrets in the dirt, you'll find that the mindset and maybe some of the actions they're taking while they were, you know, hashtag digging out of the dirt were more positive than a lot of us, you know, would envision of just grabbing a trash can of golf balls and and hitting them. I think there's some, I think there's some differences between, you know, what, what a lot of tour pros are doing when they think about, you know, hashtag secret in the dirt versus the normal Joe. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Everyone's different. We don't know what's going on. And again, you know, would Tiger Woods be the player he was if he didn't rep ball after ball after ball as a kid? I don't know. It it obviously worked for him. But then there's also things we don't know. We didn't have brain scans on Tiger. We don't know what was going on in, in neurologically in his brain. Also, Tiger's motivation. And then also Tiger had a lot of experience playing on the golf course. Rudy Duran was a phenomenal coach and took him out on the course. So he was exposed to all of these different things. And I just think as a, as a golfing world, we need to understand that more doesn't always lead to higher performance. There's lots of occasions where actually doing less leads to higher performance. And again, I'm going to quote Stuart Morgan. I'm very, very into this subject, and, and I believe I'm, I'm one of the most forward-thinking people when it comes to golf practice and effective practice. But Stuart Morgan definitely has even more knowledge and, and information than me in this area. And we were engaged on a Facebook forum recently where we debated this, and we debated it pretty hard. And I suggested that putting pictures up of people with blistered hands is very bad for junior golfers. I think it can lead to physical and psychological burnout. And and we had it, you know, it went back and forth. It was a very healthy debate on the forum. They're not always healthy, but this was. And then the next day, Stu messaged me and he was kind of a couple of laughing emojis and it said, read this. And it was from a player that he works with, Bernd Wiesberger. And I think Bernd is currently number two in the order of merit on the European tour. And I think... Under Stu's tutelage, he's gone from 130 in the world to 30. And this is after returning from injury. And in this interview, Bernd made it clear that his practice, he isn't hitting more balls. He's actually doing way less, but he's way more effective with his time. And he's spending more time in effective practice environments that when he's on the range working on swing includes spacing, variability, and challenge. And then he's also working extremely hard under stress on the golf course to try and access these patterns with masses of contextual interference, which I I know we're going to save for another day. But I think we've just got to get away from some of these old myths and like the the technology world is advanced. Hey, come on, let's advance the, the practice world and really help golfers shoot lower scores and enjoy this great game through changing the way that that they practice. So if someone's listening and they struggle with making technique changes stick, right? What we're going to ask them to do 
is to raise their level of engagement, right? Like you talked about to make sure that synaptogenesis is actually happening and bullet point out a few ways that folks are going to do that again. Okay. So I would stick to like five ball sets and within five ball set, you could have maybe like 15 reps. So you could do a real slow motion swing, full swing, full movements are always better than, than part drills. So make a full slow motion swing, feeling what you want to feel, then make a full speed swing without the ball there, and then hit the ball focused on that movement. So there you've hit one ball, but you've had three goes at making the movement, each with a varying level of difficulty. When it's slow with no ball, it's relatively easy to get in the correct position. Then you add some speeds, so the challenge point increases, and then you add the ball. And I would be very focused on the movement, not the outcome of the ball. At this time, you're, cha- you're training to change a movement pattern. Now, often at first, that's going to lead to poorer ball striking. So again, you have to have this concept of, hey, today, am I training to learn or am I training to perform? And if you're there to change your swing, if you're there to train to learn, five ball sets, take breaks between each set, don't always feel like you have to hit the ball to get feedback, change swing speeds, and just really be focused on that specific movement that you're trying to get into your golf swing. And that is all for day one here on our conversations about better practice. That was Ian Highfield. Make sure to check out what Ian is up to. He has a great book called Golf Practice, How to Practice Golf and Take Your Range Game to the Course. It's really good. It's sitting on the desk next to me. It's got this yellow cover with just a bunch of great training circuits in here. Super practical. You can take it out to the course and run through these, which I have done and uh, enjoyed. Anytime you can have something physical to go through and kind of... uh, see what you're doing while you're practicing is super helpful in my opinion make sure to check that out that book the link will be in the post it goes along with this podcast on golfsenselab.com thank you Ian, for hanging out with us we'll see you guys back here tomorrow same place same time on the podcast feed for another a little mini episode in the series that we're doing looking forward to seeing you then other than that this episode is hosted and written by me cordy walker it was edited mixed and produced by just hit publish productions